Cool. Good morning. Morning, all three of you. Great to, great to see the three of you this morning, everybody else. God be with you. The coffee was good. I don't know what the problem is. I felt like maybe you didn't know. But if you come before church early enough, there is coffee. It helps. Especially like going into worship. Gives you a little bit of... I've been caught out like that with load shedding the past few weeks. We're literally... I've arrived and it's been load shedding at home and I understand how much more difficult it makes it to have a personality. <laughs> but I'm Dan. Um, this morning I'm super excited to share with you something that I feel that the Lord has laid on my heart, partly through um, a burden and then partly through a desire. And I chatted with Nick on Friday this week. And we're saying, hey, Lucas is away. How can we do things our own way? And I'm just joking. It's not what we did. Nick, what do you feel the Lord is saying? And Nick was like, man, I feel there was this song that, we sang, that I was listening to. And the opening line was like, you unravel me. And there was just this sense of like, we felt like this morning in the Lord, he wants to take us. And we might have been wound a certain way. Like if you take a piece of wire and you, wire, you wind it around a pole, take the pole away, that wire has a shape. But actually we felt like God wants to unravel that. He actually wants to undo something inside of us so that he can build it again. And very often what this means is God wants to take something, and that's why it's worship, and you all know about it, and you're Josh Jean Sunningdale. You are known all over the world for it. You have an amazing reputation for work, worship, and what that looks like, but we feel like this morning God wants to take our worship, and He wants to unravel it. And He wants to say, what is at the center of your worship? What is at the core of how and why we worship? And when we find out what is at the core, I would like to know, what does it then look like? You see, one of the confusing aspects of worship is that we all have preference when it comes to music. Am I right? For example, I think, I'm going to pick someone that I think has a different music taste, and it's not because of age, it's because of beauty, but Nick, give me a classic that you enjoy. What, what song do you enjoy? Give me a song. Summer of 69. Summer of 69. That's a great taste in music. Am I right? I'm going to try and pick... No, not Austin. He probably would like similar stuff. Austin's got great taste in music. Jenna! It'll be slightly different. Give me your favorite song. Umunya. <laughs> Umunya. Exactly. And so what happens is we can confuse worship with music and preference because you're like, JP is quite like a folk... Worship, like I love JP's worship vibe. I'm totally about that. But someone else might be like, ah, JP's a little bit, you know, he's a bit folk and I like the more traditional hymns or maybe I like the more loud and rock and roll. And so what happens is worship, we can so confuse with music preference. And so on a Sunday morning, for example, when it comes time to worship, based on what the music and the band bring is what we bring. If it's songs and stuff we really like, or if it's stuff that gets our blood flowing and we want to come to the front, and then, then it's like it's easy to worship. 
Oh, and it's a song you don't like. It's kind of like, okay, Holy Spirit, you need to drag me in today because this worship leader chose a song that I really don't enjoy. My kids go to sleep every night with worship music on in their room. That's like one of the things that they love doing. And it's amazing. God bless them. But every night, it's the same song. And then I come to church on Sunday morning, and I've heard Google play Waymaker the whole night. The Waymaker, Miracle Worker, that is inside of me. And I walk inside, I'm done with Waymaker. I, am, I, need, to see, I need to sing about a different aspect of God. And Michael's like, Waymaker. I'm like, no! Why? This doesn't align with what I want right now. I, I need something else. Newsflash, worship has never been about you, and it's not about you or your preference. Ouch. Let's turn in our Bibles to John 4, verse 23 to 24. And what's happening is Jesus is having a debate with a woman who has got many men. She's had five husbands. She's not, it's not even like she's, the man she's with isn't even her husband. They're having a completely different debate and she tries to sidetrack and go into, oh well you Jews think that you're going to worship God in Zion but we believe that we can worship him here and she's literally talking about worship as a preference. She's saying like, hey you guys like to do worship this way and in this place and we like to do worship this way in this place and this is Jesus' reply and this is the heart of what I want to hit this morning. Jesus is looking for a type of worshiper. It looks like something. And Jesus answers her. He says, but the time is coming and indeed it is here now because he's there. Where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Not in preference and in style. In convenience and enjoyment. No, 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 no. The true worshipers will worship the Lord, their Father, in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking. God is looking for a certain type of worshiper. Are you that type of worshiper? Am I, Daniel, that type of worshiper? A worshiper, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way, in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Those who worship, if you do not worship Him in spirit and in truth, and we're going to look at the scripture later and it's going to upset you and then I'm going to counsel you into health again. But there is times in the Bible when, Jesus, when God says, your worship is so your way, I wish you shut the doors and stop people from worshiping because it's worthless to me. Because I'm looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. We know that the Lord, he, in the Old Testament, He chose the nation of Israel to set them up as a light to the nations, to father them for the world to see His goodness and His people and how separate He is from them. And we know Israel's story. They're great at getting themselves into trouble. 
And one of the things that they do is they land up in slavery. they slavery to the Egyptians. Um, it's early Israel. And the Lord hears their cries. They're in slavery and the Lord hears their cries. And this is what he sends Moses. He, he chooses this wild murderer. Let's be honest, that's what he is. Moses the murderer. The guy who saw oppression and it upset him so much that he killed someone. We all talk about David the murderer. We forget about Moses, the man that the Lord chose to lead the nation out of captivity. He chose a murderer. And he chooses Moses and he gives him a message. Moses, who has got a st- 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 can't speak, he's got a stutter, he's insecure, he doesn't believe in himself. He's like, Lord, if, if you want me to, to the burning bush, to God himself, he says, I'll only go if you send Aaron to speak on my behalf. That's the guy that the Lord chooses. And he gives him this message. This is what I want you to go and tell the most powerful man on the planet. Exodus 7 verse 16. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Why did the Lord set Israel free? Because they asked him and because they wanted it and because it's all about them and their life. And they, he wanted them to have better jobs and he wanted to equal out the injustices. And no! No! Why did he set Israel free? So that they will worship me. Sure, it's a little bit arrogant. Well, let me just say, disclaimer. The Lord is allowed to be full of himself. He's the Lord. It's, it's not arrogance for God to say, the best thing for you to do is to worship me. It's truth. He's the Lord. Here's the first point that I want to make this morning. Slavery prevents worship. When you're a slave to something, you will struggle to worship always. Why did Jesus come to set you free? Why did he come to set the captives free? So that we can worship him. Declan, why did he save you? To worship him. Declan was a slave. He's not free to worship. You, if you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, not if you've asked him to save you. I just want to make a radical disclaimer. Salvation is not God, can I have a golden ticket? I believe that you are able to do it, and therefore, can you include me in the train? No, no, no. Salvation is you must be born again. You must die. You must become new. You must lay down your life. You must pick up your cross. You must follow Jesus. You must become a slave to righteousness. You, become a, you die to yourself as a slave, and you become a slave to the Lord. Oh, I'm not a slave to nobody. Then you are. You're a slave to yourself. And the difference is this body that the Lord has given you, especially some more than others like Declan, is an incredible body that he's given you. 
I'm picking on you because you are literally the only person in the front row. The Lord has given you this incredible masterpiece. My wife and I were talking this week, and she is, my wife is highly intelligent. Anything that I say that's very smart, you must know that she helps me prepare my preachers, literally. And so all the smart things are actually her comments that I just regurgitate and people think it's me. But this week we were chatting and she was teaching me about this thing called heart and brain discord and the fact that scientifically, it's not new age, I promise. <laughs> scientifically, they have found that your heart contains neurons. And so your heart can be referred to as the little brain. Yeah. It's not just the ECU and the pump doesn't work like that. That's your heart. And so she was teaching me, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And she's telling me how you can, what can happen and how you can have discord and what that means and it looks like anxiety and all these extra things. And I was like, oh my goodness. And my first thought was, how incredible is this body, this flesh, this thing that God has given us? And the way he's put it together, it's incredible. And do you know what? It makes for the most beautiful servant. What you can do with this body for the Lord is incredible, but it makes for the worst master, and it will kill you and drive you towards hell. This body that you have is an incredible tool that can be used to worship the Lord, but if you follow its passions and cravings and desires, you'll land up walking far away from the Lord and chasing after your flesh. That's why the Lord says, I'm looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. Worship does have to do with this exterior. That's why we don't believe in standing in our chairs and worshiping like that. Why? Because if I use a fair measuring stick, you worship nothing else in your life like that. Why do you worship the Lord like that? When you get excited about something else, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> yesterday, my voice is a little hoarse this morning because the South Africans won yesterday. <clears throat> if they lost, I wouldn't have preached. I would have been like, Nick, you can preach, I'm out. <laughs> and uh, Stefan was at my house, and I love watching rugby with him because we, it's rowdy. And we scream and shout and air punch and tell you, my wife is confused. She almost thinks we lose our sight when we watch rugby because it becomes like, did you see that? Did you see that? Did? She's like, yes. And they replayed it like nine times. How did he not see it? <laughs> yeah, but did you see? Did you see? But when we, it's a stupid rugby game with a stupid ball and they Scoring stupid points and it means nothing in the light of eternity. And I'm jumping up and down and getting excited and screaming and shouting. And it means nothing. And then it's like, and then I come to church, and the one who has set me free to worship him, and who's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth, and who's saved my life, and he's changed my destiny, and he's, he's given me hope. And when it comes time to worship him, I go, Waymaker. <laughs> that's, 
Do you know what? It, we laugh, but it's true, and it's so gradual. It's so gradual. It's so easy for this, which is meant to be the instrument of worship, to become the focus of worship. If you struggle to lift your hands before the Lord this morning, I have faith that the Lord wants to set you free from that master that says, this is embarrassing for me. If you've never come forward and worshipped, I'm praying that this morning people will come forward for the first time and overcome this master that wants me to do this. Because it's a beautiful, beautiful servant when you steward it for the Lord. When you, when you become undignified and you dance your clothes off. Please don't, but we have, we have different clothes now as well. Just, in, just a disclaimer. In the Bible, that happened one time, and the dude was wearing a dress type vibe. So there are no men wearing dresses, and ladies, it's winter, so no one's wearing dresses. We can be very undignified, and our clothes will stay on. It's a benefit. <clears throat> We are set free to worship, but sometimes worship sets us free. There's a, I don't know who, even who sings it. And they tell this testimony about this song where it's literally, the, the words of the song are like, my weapon is a melody. My weapon is a melody. Not, my weapon is my favorite song. My favorite melody, no, 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 my weapon is a melody. And in 1 Samuel 16 verse 23, there's this weird dynamic where the king is possessed by demons. And he's tormented by them. And he finds this incredible solution that when he gets this little worshiper, this, this little shepherd boy who's learned how to worship the Lord on his own with his harp, whenever he invites this little shepherd boy to worship the Lord, it drives away the demons. It drives away the slavery. Because the Lord has set you free to worship, but very often it's worship that will set you free. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his harp and play, and then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would even leave him. I was reading NIV, sorry. And the tormenting spirit would go away. When you come in with those heavy shoes and you're like, don't feel like worship this morning, I want to say to you, when you worship, God can set you free in your worship. Acts 16 verse 25. And at about midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them in the middle of worship. This is the kind of worship that I want to be a part of. I don't think Josh Jim would be stoked if an earthquake came and the walls fell down. But suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. In the middle of Paul and Silas worshiping, God literally sets the captives free. Literally. And it's not even just Paul and Silas. It's Paul and Silas and those around them. 
the guys that weren't even worshiping. Do you know that when you worship, when you press into God, there is something about freedom that the Lord will give to you and to those around you. Do you know that, and this is just not a reflection on the other person, but when I stand next to this guy, I promise you it's easier for me to worship. Because he's way more loud and embarrassing than me. When, when I st- I'm being serious. There is something about when Declan worships, I feel like the eyes aren't on me because he's way weirder than me. But Nick Sophos and I are a little bit like, we're alike. Like, this is us being radical. And the Lord is challenging that today. But when I stand next to Declan and he's screaming and shouting and going on, I can every now and then just throw in a like, Amen. And when he goes, woo, I just tag on the end like that, woo. I don't even. But there's something about when Declan is being radical for Jesus, those who find it difficult, he makes space for them to worship. Do you know that the Lord can do the same thing with you? When you come to church on a Sunday morning, you're like, God, give me a part to play this morning. It's not that you would preach or lead worship or bring the most. Sometimes it's just the fact that in worship you come forward and you worship God and somebody in the crowd looks at you and thinks, well, if he can do it. So often that's what happens when people get on the stage and dance. And as soon as that happens, I want you to know, I love you, whoever you are who does this. It cringes me. I'll go, oh, but it also sets me free. It breaks something open for me. I was a part of a church that was not a Josh Jen. We were a part of a different thing. We joined for 12, nine years ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. For us, worship on a Sunday was a very cool band. I'm not going to lie. Hot. Guitar solos, it was a vibe. You could invite people to come and listen to worship on Sunday. It was that good. It was a vibe. We loved it. And what would happen was when the worship team started, everybody would stand and sing. And we considered that radical. Because people would stand and sing and on the occasion lift their hands. And we joined 412 and Andrew was like, hey, listen, it's so cool. These guys are doing such an amazing job. I think they should all step down and we're not using them anymore. (laughs) And then half the church left because the show disintegrated and there was all the the star musos left. And we were left with only people that really wanted to worship Jesus. It didn't matter what it sounded like. It mattered what came out of them. And slowly but surely, God did something inside of our church. And it used to be me and Sam and another, friendship, another couple of us. There were eight elders, but there were four of us that would stand at the front and worship. Nobody else. And gradually, over the years, God started doing something inside of our church. And people started seeing something of Jesus. It wasn't coming to the front I'm not saying you need to come to the front, but I am saying you need to come to the front. Because I'm saying actually on a Sunday morning when we invite us, hey guys, we're going to worship, you can come to the front. You're choosing to stay in your seat. You're not choosing to not come to the front. You're choosing to stay in your seat. And slowly but surely and 
eventually it would be like we would have like 60% of the church that would worship. That was huge for us. And I remember one morning I was pounding this thing of like, guys, it's the most important thing. All our leaders, we need worship. We need to be an example. We need to be undignified. We need to, because when we do it, it makes it easier for other people to do it. And that's the reason Jesus set us free is to worship him. And I remember getting frustrated at times because some of my leaders wouldn't be able to do it. They would just stand at the back and watch or they would find things to do. Leaders tend to do that. Oh, I need to watch the children or check the chairs or it's Joburg. So we're like, we would have someone at the door making sure criminals didn't come in. That was literally a thing. <laughs> and I remember this one worship service. Um, we're like going for it. And one of our amazing ladies, Lizelle, is in the, she's a deacon in the church. And man, I look at her in worship and she's talking to somebody. And I'm like, Lizelle. And they're chatting the whole of worship. And I'm thinking like, we're trying to model something, Lizelle. <laughs> and then I watch Lizelle start praying for her during worship, and it's a little more awkward, and I'm a little more tolerant, like, okay, at least she's praying. And then we're, we're like, we're, we're coming into land in worship. You know, when the music gets a little softer, we're coming into land. And Lizelle comes up to me with this lady, and she says, can you just tell Dan what happened? And this lady was a Hindu lady. And Lizelle brought her to church that week. And she came to church, and after the second song, she stopped her. And she said, who are they worshiping? She said, we're worshiping Jesus. She said, by the way that these people worship him, he must be true. He must be real. And Lizelle led her to Jesus. Nobody preached. Nobody gave an incredible article. She saw the passion in people in the way that they worshipped. And she said, this must be real. You can reach the lost in your worship to Jesus. We worship because we set free, but sometimes worship sets us free. Worship is so strongly related to love. Flying on and moving on. Love is something that is seen on the outside. Just a disclaimer, if you plan on getting married and you come to me and you say, hey, listen, Dan, we want to get married. Could you do some counseling with us? If, I don't, if it doesn't look like you love each other, I'm going to probably be like, hey, I think you should, like, I don't think this is a good idea. No, I really love her. How so? She's amazing. When I see you, it's like, you know, look across the car park and they, they've got out their cars and they're going to greet each other. And he walks up to me and says, hi, good to see you. Would you like to go inside? There's something wrong. Because doesn't love look like something? When the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. With everything, it's Mark 12, 30, I forgot to say that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. When you're worshiping the Lord, you're loving Him with all your strength. Not some of it. I want to keep some in reserve, you know, just in case. With everything. 
When we worship God, we worship Him with everything. And listen, I fully understand that there is degrees of what everything is at stages in your life. But listen, to those who have been here longer than me, I've been in Sunningdale a year. If you've been here longer than me, you are one of the reasons why there are churches all over the world that worship like this because of something that they've seen modeled in this church. And so if you're a Josh Jenner, there is an expectation inside of me that you understand the value of worshiping God with all your strength. Nick, are we still winning? We're winning. Every now and then he scowls at me, but I've learned to read through that. I know that that's a focus face. Malachi 1 verse 10. What's happened is the nation have started doing this. When they're trying to rebuild. And so what they do is they take what they have and they offer it to God. And it's become the norm. So they've decided if we raise a flock, you know, if there's one with a funny leg, let's make that our offering. Or if there's a blind one or if there's a lame one. Or, and so the nation are continually offering God sick, lame Worship, offerings. This is God's response to them. How I wish one of you would shut the doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you. Jeez, Lord, that's a little ungrateful, eh? I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like the lamb has to dance. It just has to lie there. Like... Surely it doesn't have to be that extravagant. God, surely on a Sunday morning, when you're talking about me worshiping, it doesn't have to look like that. There must be another way. God says to these people, I'm tired of the lame duck offerings. I wish you would rather stop. I'm not pleased with you. And I will not accept your offerings. This is such a difficult thing to preach because I said to Nick, the downside, Nick, is if we preach and we do this on Sunday and guys don't do this, all we're doing is teaching people that it's okay not to do this. (laughs) Because you'll be held account for what you know and what you've been taught and what God has given you. He holds it to account for those things. It's like the downside to preaching a message like this is You've lost the excuse of I didn't know. If you came in this morning feeling like my excuse, well, I didn't do that because I didn't know. That excuse is gone today. And that means that the Lord has an expectation on you because you know. Romans 12 verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living, so don't kill them. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's not just talking about in song, and worship is so much more than a Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is what you do in spirit and in truth. When he says worship is in spirit, he's talking about worshipers who are not tied to a specific time or an event. It's those who worship 
all the time, in spirit, not on this mountain or that mountain, but those who worship wherever they are, whenever they are. But this is the way you worship, that you would give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Worship is every part of us. There are so many scriptures. Clap your hands, shout, sing for joy, lie down, be still and know. If the argument is, show me in the Bible that it requires me to do that, we're having the wrong conversation. It means you haven't seen him. Because I don't know about you, but he's changed me. He's done so much for me. How can I not worship? Look at him. A lack of worship has got nothing to do with a lack of understanding. It's got to do with a lack of seeing. If you haven't seen him, you won't worship him. And I get that. I get that. But once you've seen him. And we have these defaults inside of us. This, this tendency to always start making this the master. You, me, and everybody else have that. Even Declan knows that. We had a conversation. We went on a camp. And Declan, is it okay if I share this? Declan said to me, it's hard for me to be here because I want to, I want to withdraw and be, because there's other like, big names, guys who everybody knows. Part of me wants to shrink back and not be that guy. I don't want to be embarrassed. Sunday morning is easy, but yeah, it's hard. All of us, fight those things all the time. And I loved it because he, we had that conversation before the first session and I couldn't tell a difference in him over the whole weekend. And because he broke through, it helped me in the same circle of people to break through. Sometimes you don't feel like worshiping, but worshiping awakens you. I'm not going to read the Samuel one. Actually, I am quickly. 2 Samuel 6, verse 21 to 22. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and his family. That's a bit of a harsh statement to start with your wife. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I am willing to act like a fool in order to show my joy in the Lord. Wow. The Lord gave me all I have. And so I'm willing to look like a fool for people to see that. Do you know that some of the most hectic things for me are when I see people who've got it all to lose. When I see those who God has made a success of their life, God has lifted them up, God has done something inside of them, and you see those people come and lay that down at the feet of Jesus. They don't care about their reputation. They don't care about what people think. I've seen it. We had a guy in our congregation, <clears throat> an incredible man, who the Lord had blessed radically in his business. And so he had thousands of people working for him. And this guy would come and act like a fool in worship. And his employees would be in church. 
and it did something inside of them. It's almost like the more influence with people that the Lord gives you, it becomes harder to lay it down on a Sunday morning. It becomes harder to lay it down at the feet of Jesus in worship. The more followers we have on Insta, that like only 40% of the congregation caught that one. The more influence we have, the harder it gets. The more profile we see, why? Because this starts to become the master, what people think of me. My reputation. David says, he appointed me, he did this, so I'm willing to look like a fool. Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, but I will, will be held in honor by the girls of whom you have spoken. The, his wife is saying, listen, these ladies are laughing at you. She literally, she rebukes her husband, and after that, do you know what happens? She never has children after that. Fear of worshiping, of, of, of embarrassment, of what people will think leads to spiritual barrenness. No reproduction, no life. No, no, no disciples after you. It's one of the signs. Somebody who doesn't worship in everything inside of them, there's no fruit, there's no others. We're all called to make disciples. That's a whole different breach. When that lake is drying up, I would start with who's at the end of your worship. Michael Jubeck, can you just come up? I think the band this morning, it sounds kiff. It's the same thing. It's like, makes it easy when they sing in songs and there's this full thing. I've asked Michael, if just him and the guitar. It's not a preference thing. Our response this morning is, can we worship the Lord? Who do you see at the end of your worship? And I want to say, for some of you, this is very new. This is very what is going on here. This is, I want to say, you don't have to be the guy that comes to the front and stands right over here and screams and shouts like Declan. But I'm asking you, what does it look like for you today to worship the one who set you free to worship? And there's some of us who very well know all of this stuff. And worship is a value and it's something we've lived and we've been taught about and we've known, but we've slowly let it come off the boil and it's become this preference of like, I'll worship when it's good, I won't when it's not. The Lord wants to remind you this morning, please, look at me. Behold Him. So I want to say this morning, in terms of even you leaders, I love the leaders in this church. I want to address you in saying, there are no responsibilities this morning that you need to do. You don't have to watch the chairs, they're okay. You don't have to watch the children, they have parents. You don't have to watch the doors, they have handles. Wherever you are, would you come? Can we worship? Can that be our priority right now? We are going to worship Jesus, that's it. Can we respond? Let's do that.